1: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit SleepingDogsMovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery.
2: Hi, hang out for a second. I've got some advice for you if you're super duper stressed out by our politics right now. One of the best ways to unwind after a week of relentless chaos is is the after-party podcast presented exclusively on our Patreon page. It's a commercial-free 90-minute podcast. It's kind of like eavesdropping on an evening chat between me and my girlfriend Kimberly Johnson from the Start Me Up podcast. It's far more personal than the free shows with all kinds of revelations about our personal lives, but with all the latest political commentary that you crave, it can actually get weird and fun, too. So don't miss out. Subscribe to the After Party level at patreon.com slash Show, and you're also going to get two Shadow Docket episodes every week included in that level of support. Again, it's patreon.com slash Show, and now let the cartoons begin.
0: The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Hi, Bob. Oh, hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hello. The Bob Seska Show.
2: Former Nations capital, it is Wednesday, September 27, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 980 of the Biden Harris administration, four to four days into the twenty-four presidential election. You can find me on threads and Instagram at the Bob Spoutable Bob Seska, Twitter, Bob underscore go, and our Patreon page is BobSeshow.com. So the day is finally here. At long last, Molly Jongfast joins me on the interview show today. She has a uh, pair of recent articles out in Vanity Fair. One's called, Can Joe Biden Ride Boring to Reelection? election And out right now, Let's Not Sleepwalk into Another Trump Presidency. Both are must-reads in Vanity Fair. And don't forget Molly's podcast called Fast Politics. Links in the description. And as always, make sure to weigh in on our Patreon page, bobseskashow.com. So, Molly Jong Fast might be the busiest woman in the political news media, and she had to bail out earlier than expected. So, get ready for my slightly abbreviated talk with the great Molly Jong Fast. More
0: fun, more music, the Bob Sesca Show.
2: I think it's fair to say you're a longtime resident of the Twitterverse. Actually, you're—you know uh, what? Yeah, you're more like the president of political Twitter. <laughs> oh, like, I don't think that's.
3: Yeah. I, wait. So tell me, you do you need to get and record? By the way, I'm already recording.
2: We're okay. We're, great. Great. Great.
0: Yeah, great, we great, are great. rolling.
2: So along those lines, how do you feel about the uh, platform becoming the Sad Mall, the soon-to-be Spirit Halloween pop-up store of social media?
3: Yeah, I mean it's really, it's really disappointing. I mean. Yeah. I, I don't know what happens now with uh with this. I don't know if um I, I don't know where it goes, but it it's very, it's very, very disappointing. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I I've been really so surprised at how I mean I, I really did not think that I didn't think that uh Elon would buy the site and I've been really surprised at how uh, what a kind of weird thing it's become, and it's very disappointing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. Uh, It's just devastating to me because, and you know this as well as anybody, it was this vibrant global community where you had access to just about everyone, whether it's politicians, entertainers, uh, newsmakers, world leaders. And while it had its many flaws, It was uh, a place that you go to. And in fact, yesterday was a great example of this with the news coming down from uh, New York about uh, the Trump organization and the fraud committed by Trump and his kids. It would have been a huge day on Twitter. I mean, I can only imagine the scope of what the community would have discussed and, and engaged about in that context. And yet it seemed muted and lame and just a shell of its former self, didn't it?
3: Uh, I would say that, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I, I it's disappointing because it was a really nice place to, uh, to um, share work and to connect with other people and yeah. to be able to uh, see. I mean, the thing I always found the most useful about Twitter was being able to. Uh, read something and see what other people thought of it. Yeah, so you yeah. could look at an an article and see who else shared it. And that was really disappointing to me. Um, I I don't know what happens now. I, I, yeah. I don't know, you know, how they, Um, I don't know how they, you know, where this goes.
0: Yeah.
2: Are you going to stick around until the very end? Or are you making plans? You're looking at some of the other platforms,
3: maybe? Uh, I am, you know, I'll post wherever. I mean, I don't have any loyalty, but I certainly am. You know, it's just, it it is really, it's really sad. You know, it's really sad. And, and, and Elon really did do this to himself, which is totally. Yeah. 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 What do you think his motivation is?
2: What do you think he's doing? Is it a uh, producer's kind of situation where he's deliberately doing it? Or no. does he just, is he so up his own ass that he thinks he can do no wrong and every decision he makes is golden? And that's what's driving this ridiculousness on Twitter.
3: I, I don't know what is in his heart, so to speak. so to speak, But he certainly sounds like he has... Um, you know just bad instincts when it comes to something like this i mean yeah. you, you know it, it's it, he's had good instincts when it's when it's come to uh, some other things but on this he really has um mm-hmm. just it's you know and, and look i mean i think the other thing that's worth thinking about is like this guy is a very 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 right leaning person I, yeah. is he you know i don't even want to cast dispersions but i just want to say like he clearly comes from a very 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 conservative world yeah. conservative seems like a very generous uh way to i mean you know a very generous way to uh, phrase it and uh so i don't know i mean it 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 strikes me that this is very um you know, these are his real feelings.
2: Yeah. Like, I feel as though Twitter is moving down that road again to repeat the mistakes of 2016, where, you know, I don't need to say what they were, but I mean, obviously, we all saw how social media was weaponized with propaganda and disinformation at the time. And now it seems like Twitter's going to be that sort of thing again. And by the way, I'm saying Twitter. I mean, whatever the hell Elon's calling it now, X. And so I feel as though we're right at the cusp of a repeat of what happened in 2016 with Elon leading the charge as far as the disinformation goes. Do you, do you feel as though that's what we face in terms of social media or specifically Twitter's influence on 2024?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, well, I, all right. So I would say, I you know, I Again, certainly there will be a lot of misinformation coming from Twitter and disinformation. We see that already. Right. Because, you know, there's I I just you know, there's reporting, which, you know, it's like the number one It went from, you know, there's no content management. So if there's no content moderation, there's going to be false information. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, do I think this is part of a grand conspiracy? I, I hesitate to give anyone that much credit. (laughs) <laughs> and I would Smart. also like yeah. and I also just think, you know, more more often than not, it's Occam's razor and not, you know, and not some kind of grand conspiracy. So I think, look, he's very right leaning. Mm-hmm. Some might even say, you know, the people he tends to interact with on the on the website seem very, very, very right leaning uh people for whom you know republican they're not even well i don't know i i want to say something that's not pejorative but that really i mean they seem authoritarian at best yeah that crew those are those are his people Mm -hmm. so uh, again i don't know um i don't know i don't think there's any like surprise of what his leaning is but I also think Elon and a lot of those tech bros really have Ron DeSantis as their their pick, and I think they're pretty disappointed.
2: Interesting. Do you find that Twitter accurately reflects what's happening on the ground, what's happening in reality? Like, there's always this debate about Twitter. Well, it's not real life. (laughs) Real life is over there. Twitter is over here, and they're sort of mutually exclusive. Do you find there's overlap? Because I kind of see some overlap. I kind of see Twitter as reflecting maybe the leading edge of what might happen in the real world. What's your take on that, Molly, as far as uh, Twitter being an accurate or completely inaccurate representation of what's happening on the ground?
3: You know, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm always, I always worry about being in a media bubble, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I am, you know, so, so I don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, Believe it or not, I I, I think, look, there's, <clears throat> you know, you can read everything. I mean, I read a lot <clears throat> and you can still miss yeah. huge stories. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think of myself as like, I don't want to, I don't want to be too, uh, you know, self-aggrandizing. But I think of myself as a pretty careful reader, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who reads with the, with the you know, the supposition of bias a lot of times and who reads, you know, who thinks about what was not put in the article as much as what was put in the article. And still, I feel like I miss a lot of stuff. I, you know, I get a, you know, I sometimes don't get the full story. So I really do feel very I'm always just very careful to say what things are, but certainly I do not feel like Twitter is wildly divergent from what's happening, you
2: know. Interesting.
3: I don't trust, but again, I don't trust a lot of the stuff I see on there, so.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of in line with that. I feel as though Twitter, we hear about things that happen in the real world first on Twitter in a sense, because We are getting the first draft of history. That's become the new thing. It used to be a paper of record would be the first draft of history. But now with this platform, at least the way it used to be, (laughs) I can't really speak to it now. But Twitter was always like that first thing that you read that sets the tone for the rest of the reporting on that news cycle or that particular story and eventually what happens on the ground. So there is, I think, some overlap. So that's, uh, uh, yeah, that's very smart. But uh, you have a new Vanity Fair column out right now, and it's about how the news media is treating Trump like a normal candidate. I think something that we've all been screaming at our computer screens for, for some time now, and you've really crystallized it well. So I can't help but to ask this, because it's it's something that just circulates in my head all the time, Molly. Why are they doing this again? Why is this happening? This normalization of this tyrant.
3: So again, I don't. None of this is, or at least I think none of this is intentional. Yeah. I think a lot of this is a reaction hmm. to the to the sort of uh, pressure, external pressures on media. Uh, reporters and editors, I would say, look, there are a couple of things that have happened. The right wing media has gotten very smart about working the rafts. So if you're a mainstream report, I mean, look, the good like I am on the opinion side. So I am a partisan. Right. I mean, I. I, I'm people. The reason why people like me is I'm not like a blind partisan, right? But mm-hmm. I I believe that Menendez should resign. But I don't. You know, I wouldn't support. Uh, you know, I I I have I have opinions, but uh, largely I'm a Democrat. So that's very different than someone who is a straight reporter who is meant to be cutting things down the middle. And so <clears throat> someone like that who is you know, is supposed to not have opinions, uh, it's very hard to cover someone who has so much disregard for the American democratic system. And remember, like, there is no handbook for a democracy during an autocracy, right? There is no handbook for a free press versus an autocrat. And um, so there's a, there's going to be a lot of holes And I think one of the things why I wanted to write this piece was not so much because I'm smart and the mainstream media is not, first of, <laughs> of all, I'm a member of the mainstream media. So yep. number one, and number two, it's more that I, I, I can see false equivalencies boiling up. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I mean, for example, last week, you know, I saw headlines that were saying things like, you know, Biden has pro uh what polling shows Biden too old. Trump has problems too. Right? <laughs> yeah. Trump has problems too. This is the Associated wow. Press. Trump has problems too. Trump has been indicted four times. He has right. one superseding indictment. He's been impeached twice. He's got numerous, like a laundry list of civil cases against him. He has problems too. I, I think he has more than problems. <laughs> so that so that is, you know, so in my mind. That's very dangerous stuff. And I wanted to draw attention to it because I'm lucky enough to be in the position where I'm allowed to uh, have my finger on the scale a little bit. And so I can say stuff like that. And look, you know, one of the things that we see more and more out of Trump world, I was just listening to Rachel Maddow's amazing interview with Cassidy Hutchinson. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, in that interview, you realize there are so many people in this country who do not have the privilege of being able to speak out. Right. She Mm -hmm. could not afford a lawyer. And so she used the Trump lawyer and the Trump lawyer told her she couldn't tell the truth, basically, if she wanted this lawyer to keep paying for her. And so, you know, being uh, being able to be in a position where you can tell the truth. And, you know, I happen to be very lucky. I come from you know, a lot of privilege. And so I have this opportunity to be able to do this and I don't take it lightly, but I also feel, you know, if I'm in this position, I need to make, uh, you know, to say the hard stuff sometimes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It seems to me, Molly, that Donald Trump exploits the uh, news media I mean he exploits the the entire system, I mean every loophole there is, every unwritten rule, every tradition there is he 's going to just steamroll that because it 's not carved in stone, and even he steamrolls the things that are carved in stone as well, as we can see by ninety one felony counts, et cetera. But in terms of the news media and the coverage of Donald Trump, I think he exploits the fact, and this goes to something Steve Bannon has said many times, which is the uh, the signal to noise thing, the flooding right, the zone, flooding with, the zone, exactly, yeah. and it's almost impossible, I think, for the traditional news media to be able to keep up with something like that. And I think Donald Trump is acutely aware of the fact that they can't really keep up with those things because of the way the news media is structured. There's a system that's set up and Donald Trump sees all the holes in that and is busily steamrolling all of that. Is that is that kind of a a fair analysis to make that it seems like? I mean,
3: I don't think the idea that Donald Trump is an omniscient being who can see all the holes seems like giving him way too much credit, you know, I mean, he is from Mm. the people I know who know him. He is a very limited person of limited intellect. So, but he's a natural, right. He's a television star. So I would say that I think he is, uh, I think he's quite good at what's happening, but I don't think there's some brilliant, I don't think this is all thought out in a brilliant way.
2: Oh yeah, I totally get what you're saying, but whether it's his greenmailing schemes back in the day, he just seems like he's really good at manipulating the traditional news media. I mean, that goes back to something Well, I mean, yeah. I think
3: I also just think it's the, the problem is you 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 the the supposition here is that the that these politicians will will stick to a certain level of uh You know, I don't want to say honesty, but but that they will, um, you know, they will they will be in a in a certain kind of, you know, they'll lie, but they won't lie. For example, one of the things that Trump does that is highly unusual Hmm. and puts the media in an impossible situation is he lies about things that he knows aren't true. So that are that are provably untrue. Mm -hmm. So a good example of this is like he'll so. I was writing about this a a couple of weeks ago. So he's in he's giving a speech about Obamacare and he says, we have this new healthcare and it's going to be better than Obamacare and Mm -hmm. it's happening right now. So we know it's not happening right now, right? Mm -hmm. This was 2018 or whatever. There was no new healthcare initiative, but, and so that's the thing is like, we're not, it's not unusual for politicians to lie. That's not, that's very standard, but to lie about something that's obviously provably untrue That is new. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that Trump did that that was impossible for the mainstream media to cover. Right. Because so you're going to say, well, this is not true. Okay, you say it once. But the problem is there's so much anxiety about looking partisan. And if you have to keep right, like try doing a Donald Trump interview. Right. (laughs) Uh, You want to fact check him. You can't. You know, so you'll you ask a question. I've seen him do this so many times. You'll ask him a question, he'll lie, and then you can't. If you like, we're talking about this today on Morning Joe. Like, like Maddie, w- one of the most sort of talented interviewers, is Maddie, and Maddie mm-hmm. will go back and he'll say, "Okay, so you say that your new health care is happening right now, but like we can see it's not," and and he, Trump will just steamroller, and so you have to have the ability to keep pulling back to that same question. And the problem is that's not that kind of obstreperousness is not really how we do it, right? Usually you ask the question and the person answers or they lie. And then you go and you ask a follow-up question, but you don't just go in with like a chainsaw to, you know, cut weeds. And that's really what you need when it comes to Donald Trump is you really need a chainsaw. Okay, short break, back with more Molly
2: Jong Fast right after these words.
1: You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out, unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours.
0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should
1: be. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes.
2: There really is no place like home. Have you ever thought about how you would approach interviewing Donald Trump? Like, say the opportunity popped up where it's okay. well, maybe we're going to get Donald to talk to Molly Jong fast. And so whoever, Stephen Miller or someone, that's never going to happen.
3: (laughs) But let's say
2: say, (laughs) hypothetically, if it did, is there anything in your head that you've kind of been thinking about, strategizing about? Well, if this actually happened, here's how I would take him on. Is that even a thing for you?
3: No, I'm not talented, enough. I mean that's. I mean, I, <laughs> I do disagree. I disagree. Well, with I that, I do a lot of interviews, but yeah. you really have to be good. I mean, mm-hmm. Mehdi has been doing these interviews for a long time at the Oxford, right, and at the Oxford, um, whatever it's called, debate, Oxford Debate Forum or whatever it's called, yeah, where yeah. he has, you know, he's able to sort of take apart. I mean, the what you need to be able to interview Trump is you need ton of research so when he says da, 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 you say no i have a woman in puxitani who has a you know cancer and can't get her chemotherapy paid for it you have to be able to like zero in on the thing but then the other problem with interviewing donald trump is like what is the goal right mm-hmm. he's not going to ever say to you you're right i've been lying this whole time <laughs> a complete liar <laughs> right, right i know he's not going to say that so so what's the goal right because you don't I mean, I think of Trump as like as like gambling in a casino. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that those rooms are for free. It's because the house always wins. And so I, I think of it like that, like there's just very little upside to interviewing him. And you're not going to, you know, even if you get him. I mean, the for a long time, there was a feeling like if you get him to confess, then you've done it.
0: But even right. if you
3: get him to confess, they his people don't care. They'll be like, yeah, that's right. He did treason. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so so the question is, like, what is the upside? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I think if I were in that position, I, I, I don't even know what I would do. I think mainly I would try to casually aggravate him over the course of the interview just perpetually kind of corner him a little bit and get him more and more irritated to the point where maybe he walks out I, and which is right. I mean, wait, makes which, it pointless but yeah
3: right yeah. I mean we've seen him do that before walk mm-hmm. out of an interview yeah you know it's okay I mean I don't know that you again like I'm not sure what you learn from that right well like, but John- again that's the problem with would Trump is, I'm not sure what you learned from any of that. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think Jonathan Swann did a pretty good job of that, just casually yeah, jo- irritating him and and cornering him.
3: Yeah. I mean Jonathan Swan did a really good job of that, but you'll notice that after that he did that Trump sort of that hasn't happened again, which I think is right. is
0: worth <laughs> thinking about.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you know? just going getting back to your piece in Vanity Fair today, uh the thing that drives me crazy is. Uh, Molly, how NBC News did not a very good job fact-checking Trump. I think that's an understatement. And then he repays them by threatening to investigate NBC for treason. I, I mean, they kind of walked into that propeller, didn't they?
3: I mean, I, again, I think I think these two things are completely unrelated, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. look, I'm not going to cast aspersions on a... Uh, on a woman of color getting the one of the most important jobs in media. I mean, she's amazing. Yeah, she's yeah, a yeah. hero. And I am so impressed with her work. And honestly, she did absolutely the best anyone could do in that situation. Um, and I think that uh, I think that Trump was watching the the uh, I think he was watching the interviews with cats with, Casey with Cassidy Hutchinson and yeah. that was what was happening that's my guess
2: I see okay
3: well uh, but I mean but yeah I mean the guy does that all the time I mean mm-hmm. yes it's really bad that he uh that he wants to end the second amendment the first amendment yeah, and yeah. that you know yes it's really bad but Uh, But I'm not super surprised. Yeah,
2: yeah. I guess guess I'm saying this from the perspective of not piling on to uh, Kristen Welker or NBC, but more from the perspective of, well, this is what you can expect. There's no appeasing this guy. There's no normalizing this guy because he's going to turn around and, of course, he's going to motivate his fanboys and his militias and so on to go after the quote unquote enemies of the people if he doesn't do it himself, if he becomes president again. And so uh, I'm sort of thinking about it in those terms, like how many times uh, can he threaten to uh, investigate the, you know, the alleged enemies of the people Before the press goes, okay, well, maybe we're doing this wrong. Maybe we're approaching this guy at the wrong angle, so to speak. So,
3: so I would just say, like, the again, I, yeah, I mean, I think you just have to be really careful when you cover him. And look, he has to be covered and it just has to be super careful. But, but I don't think, I'm not, I'm not convinced the, I'm not convinced that. There is an easy solve for Trump, if that makes sense. I I just am not. I think it's really like the mainstream media, the way. And again, I say this as a member of the mainstream media, it's Mm -hmm. hardly like I'm not in the mainstream media. But like, I think it's a very tough you find yourself in a very tough situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I don't think that that I, I, I don't I don't know that. You know, I just think we're getting better and better at it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems as if that would have to happen. I mean, if he's on the national stage for long enough, you kind of have to reform your approach to covering him. And I think we've all evolved in how we talk about Donald Trump. And I think it varies based on severity, (laughs) like how big is the threat? And as the threat grows, I think the coverage of him has has changed appropriately enough so that sort of threat is being the existential threat to our democracy is uh, getting more and more coverage. And, you know, Joe Biden's doing a fine job starting to, I mean, he's in the process of ramping up this particular thing about democracy being on the line, democracy uh, being under constant threat of dissolution, of the next election bringing about the the rise of some form of authoritarian neo-fascism here. And uh, I'm really glad to see that. I'm glad that he's putting the stakes of the next election in those terms about democracy or not democracy. So that takes me to your uh previous vanity it was your previous vanity fair piece about how Joe Biden is boring and he shouldn't be seen as boring, right? That was
3: Right. I okay. mean well, so it's more of this idea that like he ha- that um that it's just very it's very hard to cover In a White House that works very hard not to make waves.
2: Yeah, that's just the thing. It seems like one of the major aspects of the Trump damage was presenting this idea that the president constantly needs to be in our living rooms 24-7. We always need to hear from the president at all times, remarking on just about everything. It doesn't even matter if it has to do with politics. And to me, it should never have been that way. I prefer, and I think historically speaking, the American people have preferred a president who is not so intrusive upon our daily lives. And that's where Joe Biden comes in. I think he he's riding the ship in a sense, not just in terms of policy, but in terms of how we view the presidency. Do you get the sense that that's sticking or do are people still craving having you know the president's face in our in our faces constantly i can't see that as being healthy
3: i, I don't think anyone wants that and, yeah. and i don't think hmm. I, I i think one of the you know that was trump wanted that but i don't think anyone else wants that yeah. i i you know i don't think that there's any you know i think one of the things that sort of it's sort of gone the other way right well, Trump had two billion dollars of free media in 2016 Mm -hmm. because he would say this crazy stuff and it would get reported on. I think now it's a little bit of the opposite. Uh, It's more like people aren't reporting on it because it's quite scary that the leader of the Republican Party is uh, is a complete lunatic and, Mm -hmm. you know, wants to end democracy. So we're not seeing quite as much coverage, which is both both bad and bad, you know, it's not the same kind of free media, but it's also, um, you know, it's, it's problem. Do we see Biden
2: enough? Do we see uh, the president often enough or should we see him more?
3: Um, uh,
2: I hear quite a bit, that Biden needs to say more of this or Biden needs to do more to brag about his presidency the way Donald Trump bragged about his presidency constantly. Essentially, we need to hear from Biden more often. And I keep going, I don't know. That's not necessarily a good thing. I'm t- not, it's not nothing against Joe Biden. I'm just saying the president shouldn't be that uh, active in our daily lives.
3: I mean, you know, he's doing a lot. He's talking a oh, lot. Yeah. He's yeah, he's around and I think I mean, I think it, more of the the question is uh the, I think more of the question is like um I think more of the question is like you know, there's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: Uh when it comes to Democrats and and look the stakes are high, so I get it. Mhm. Um, but I think, I think that's where we are.
2: I mean, optically, Joe Biden isn't necessarily like a ready-made president for the social media age, you know what I mean? Doesn't have that flash and glitz and attention-grabbing energy that you need in order to hold the very short attention spans of the American people. But the results show otherwise, right? I mean, the results show a president who is engaged uh, not only in terms of White House policy, but also in terms of uh, legislative negotiations on the Hill that he is fully connected to all of that. And the roster of successes speak for themselves. It's quite impressive, given the divisiveness of our politics right now, that Joe Biden has been able to do so much. And uh, do you feel as though that's getting enough coverage? Or do you think it should be getting more coverage in terms of uh, that roster of success?
3: I mean, you know, look, the, a lot of this the the you know, I was at uh, tripfest this weekend and Chris Hayes said this thing about how like it's much easier to write about Biden's age than it is to write about policy. Hmm. And, and and I think that there certainly is a feeling like if you think about the policy issues, right? So the chips you know, building semiconductor manufacturing, semiconductor chips in the United States,
0: mm.
3: not very exciting, right? Ch- semiconductor factories are expensive. Semiconductors are themselves quite unsexy. They work for cell phones. You need them. There's a lot of anxiety that China may try to take Taiwan. Almost all of our semiconductor mm-hmm. chips are made yeah. in Taiwan. Uh, so if we can't get cell phones and we can't get computers and we can't get this and we can't get that, uh, it's going to be a big, big problem. So is that sexy? No. And like is giving tax credits to companies so that they can build semiconductor factories as sexy as like, should we have an open primary and call Joe Biden out? And, but you know, there, but I do think that it's really important. And, And I would say like, you know, there's this prescription drug negotiation that's going on where Biden has 10 drugs that he is uh, negotiating with Medicare for uh, negotiating with pharmaceutical companies for Medicare pricing. And and that's a huge, huge like uh, accomplishment. No president has ever since Medicare, Medicare Part D was created has been able to get that going. So here's that where we'll have a situation. And remember, like it's worth... It's worth realizing that the Biden administration was the administration that started a $35 insulin for Medicare recipients, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Like that's a sea change. And so now we're going to have, if this works and, and you know, if it doesn't, that will be another story. But at least he got this far. Um, but if it works, he, you know, we'll have $35 for your cholesterol medicine and $35 for your your cancer medicine and your, you know, the, the blood thinner that you have to take for the rest of your life. And and so, I mean, will that make a real difference in people's lives? Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's worth remembering that, like Bernie Sanders and AOC already endorsed President Biden. So they're not waiting around, right? They right. these progress the progressives have already said, like, this guy is doing what we want. He's, you know, and he is. I mean, that's the joke. It's like the first president ever to walk a labor line, first president ever to join a strike. Like, this is not theoretical. This is not policy. This is like real. Real world action. And like I was a big fan of Obama, but you know, the Obama administration was not nearly as liberal as this.
2: Yeah. I always go back to the Affordable Care Act and how gigantic that was in terms of a success and rescuing the economy from a second Great Depression. But at the same time, uh, the successes of the past couple of years are undeniable just in terms of the sheer quantity of them and how much more divisive our politics are than they were even in 2009 when you saw the rise of the tea party and things like that. So, you know, I, I think you got to looking at all the numbers, you got to <laughs> kind of lean Biden as far as, uh, first term success stories. But, uh, Yeah, one of the things I wanted to, or one of the things I I noticed about not just the Trump piece that's out now, but the Biden piece that you wrote a few weeks ago is a common word that kind of appears in both. And that is underestimation or underestimated where, and obviously Trump is underestimated for different reasons as Biden is underestimated, but you, you made it clear that we underestimate Donald Trump at our own peril. And I think you can actually say the same thing about Joe Biden. We underestimate Joe Biden at our own peril. In fact, back in 2019, I think I underestimated Joe Biden. I I, I was really skeptical as to whether or not he could defeat Donald Trump. And and he did it by winning some red states, too, uh, Arizona and Georgia. And and so my underestimation of Joe Biden was proven to be inaccurate. I, I just found it fascinating that we kind of underestimate them each, but for different reasons. Do you get that sense?
3: Uh, I do. And yes. And I think, I mean, I wouldn't say, look, Biden. uh, Look, I I hesitate to compare Donald Trump to Biden. Right. Because uh, one of the things that this Biden administration has been really careful to do has been really be an administration that is uh, committed to the protection of democratic norms. And that is why you saw Merrick Garland really, take. you know, a lot of these Trump indictments didn't happen for a while. There was so much sort of hemming and hawing. Look, The goal in Biden world is really to keep these democratic norms. Now, of course, Donald Trump turned out to be uh, a complete, you know, he had to be held accountable for for a lot of these crimes, and a lot of these charges are civil charges, so they're not even brought. You know, a lot of them are brought by you know Eugene Carroll and people he's maligned in the in the media. So, so I would say that uh, that certainly. It, it it certainly is the responsibility. But I, I just I don't even like to compare them because it's such an important it, it. Oh, wait, hold on. Hold on one sec. Sure, sure. Um, Are we are we done? Because I have to run off and say goodbye to my husband who is now going away. Oh, sure. Yeah. You, you got a second to say goodbye here? Yes, 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 yes. Okay,
2: uh, where can people find uh, you on uh, social media? Obviously, you're very easy to find there, but uh, <laughs> plug yeah, away. And my plug my away.
3: podcast is called Fa- Fast Politics. It yeah. airs Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. And I write a column for Vanity Fair on vanityfair.com.
2: Sounds great. And Molly Jongfast on formerly Twitter. So must thank follow you, Bob. if you haven't already. Thank you so thank, much, Molly. For your time, you, I appreciate thank you. It, Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: To others as you'd have done to you, that's just a promise to walk out the door. When you abandon all the fools you can use, that's just an avenue to finding more. She'll just a pacify Fooling all the people with your magic Floating in the air like you're a god Wrapped up in your patriotic plastic Underneath it all you're just a fraud Of a fortune to those who would believe your every word. A hollow figure on the stage of the world, a phony savior to observe. Without a light, you're just a grifter with an audience Fooling all the people with your magic Floating in the air like you're a god Landed up in your patriotic plastic Underneath it all, you're just a fly just just a <laughs>